There are a few things in your engineering career that you should focus on relentlessly, but few as impactful as finding yourself a guide through the journey, as well as develop a set of complementary skills that can help accelerate your own trajectory. I chatted with Nicole Ju, senior engineer of Vox Media, about the importance of mentorship, peer feedback, or any feedback for that matter, and how skills that are not directly related to writing code can be more helpful to success than you anticipate. Enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. Welcome to our next episode of the Work Item Podcast. And uh, season three is ongoing, and we have a fantastic guest today, Nicole Ju. Welcome, Nicole. Hi. Welcome. So glad to be here. <laughs> so glad to be talking to you because, uh, you know, I've uh, been following you on Twitter, lots of adventures, and I know that you're working uh, in a domain that is uh, not your typical fan company. Uh, and I'd love to learn more about your career. So with that, tell us more. What are you working on these days? Uh, yeah, I'm a senior engineer and just started actually sort of an EM, an engineering manager apprenticeship at Vox Media. Um, I've been here for a little over five and a half years and have worked on various editorial tools, um, namely our story editor. And the last few years I've been on our audience platform. So really focused on the audience experience across our owned and operated sites, but also our partner platforms like AMP and Apple News, and sort of most currently working on uh, sort of a new audience framework and platform that will hopefully serve uh, the now many portfolio of Vox Media sites that we've um, acquired over the last couple of years. I just like the breadth of stuff that you're working on. Uh, tell us more about what led you to the current, uh, well, I guess, domain? Because as I mentioned earlier, it's not your typical, you know, like when you talk to folks, uh, that are young, that are fresh out of college, they all aspire to go work at one of the Fang or I guess Manga now, because I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know if this is the right term, but uh, essentially they work at one of those big tech companies and you're working for Vox Media, which is a bit of a different type of company and you're still working very closely with tech, you're an engineering leader. Uh, what led you here? I went to, when I, when I entered college, I thought I was going to be an English major and then go to and then go to like law school or something, which would have made my parents very happy. Um, sorry to disappoint, but <laughs> um, I really I really discovered sort of technology and media that intersection in in undergrad. So uh, I went to Northwestern University, which is has an amazing uh, journalism program there. And my older sister, she's three years older, and uh, she uh, also went to school there. And I think I really just benefited from, you know, her influence, her experience. It's interesting because we're both kind of more humanities oriented. Our parents were both English majors. So we're really not a family of like STEM people at all. So it was definitely, she went in as a journalism major. And then in her sophomore year, she watched The Social Network and was very inspired <laughs> and, and decided to, you know, study computer science. Um, and we were all very confused because it just wasn't something that, you know, she'd really demonstrated an interest in um, sort of earlier than that, uh, besides, you know, like MySpace and Zanga theme coding or whatever. But uh, but she was a really uh, probably the biggest influence on me to at least, uh, you know, try out a computer science class. Um, and because she got a dual degree in journalism and computer science, she was a really big influence in, again, exploring that space more. Uh, I ended up... Um, minoring in English, majoring in computer science, 
and then uh, working uh, sort of on our student news site at the time. Um, and that's kind of where I got my start in sort of like interactive news. Like it was like the time of snowfall where, you know, it was like parallax scrolling was really, really in and and data visualization. And so it was, you know, a really exciting time to, I think, start exploring news and technology. Um, and and so I really kind of, that was my focus almost from the beginning because I think technology wasn't something that I ever saw as something that I, you know, could could be a part of really before that. Um and and really with with this kind of introduction of like, okay, like, you know, there's every industry now, you know, has an intersection with technology. So I think it was really finding that niche and those options available there that was really exciting. And uh, yeah, you know, it's and so it's re- continued to <laughs> lead me here today, which has been really, really exciting. I really like that framing that technology is kind of spanning a lot of the different areas because that's a misconception a lot of folks have when they think about, uh, again, that if I want to work in technology, I have to work at the Amazons and the Googles of the world. And in reality, technology is everywhere. You need technology in journalism. You need technology in healthcare. You need technology in like agriculture. There's just so many of these areas. And it looks like you are uh, a great example of kind of taking advantage of that and applying it to a field that you're passionate about and technology is a, I'm going to call it like a tool more so than just, just the the core of a technology itself. Yes. Yeah. I think that's a really good way to frame it. I think uh, it is, yeah, I think it's exploring what technology enables in each, in each field. You know, I think it, it's really interesting kind of seeing again, you know, in the context of media, just like the sheer amount of change that, uh, that we've gone through in the past few years, whether that's in terms of, uh, you know, like, thinking business models and subscriptions or relying on, you know, partner platforms like that infamous pivot to video, like they're like, these are all, you know, problems that are kind of at, at this, at this uh, juncture. So I think it's for me, and I think for a lot of folks now, it's kind of thinking about what your own passions or interests already are, and then kind of figuring out, you know, what are the ways that technology can be leveraged or or used to, you know, impact the things that you care about? Right. And something that you also mentioned at the very beginning is that you're exploring engineering management. Tell me more about that decision in your career. What leads you to management? Because uh, talking to folks, again, early in career, sometimes it feels like a very intimidating move that like, well, I'm not sure if I want to manage people, be responsible for a lot of the conversations what was your rationale for that decision? Yeah, it has. Uh, it was definitely kind of a, almost a year long decision um, uh, that I that I took on. It was something that uh, my manager at the time had kind of raised to me as a as a potential you know career path. Like at our at our company, we do split sort of the individual contributor and the engineering manager track, which I know quite a few companies make that distinction, which I I think is really useful because you know they they are very different different roles, different responsibilities. So I, uh, you know, I, I, I'm really passionate about, you know, I think team culture, about workflow, how we work and how we can work better together and, and deliver great work. And so, you know, all those things are dimensions of management. I think for quite a long time, I've, you know, been doing kind of ad hoc, a lot of those things on the team, um, not obviously in a super formal capacity, but just because, you know, these are areas that I, I really care about. Um, and and so I took the last year really to kind of explore, you know, do I feel ready? Like, what does it look like to to try engineering management, and what what could that be? And so I I talked with quite a few of my 
sort of like mentors and other folks in the industry, um, you know, started to, you know, I've, I've read things like Lara Hogan's blog and, and stuff for a, a really long time. And so I've really, you know, long admired good engineering and, you know, thoughtful engineering leadership. And, uh, you know, eventually kind of arrived at, you know, yes, I would love to try it. Um, do not know, <laughs> you know, how, how it will go, but I'm, you know, I'm really excited to, to, you know, kind of dip my toes into that arena. And so thankfully this year it was, a. Uh, it, it worked out that you know we had we had a vacancy on my own team actually for an engineering manager, um, and so I've stepped into this role in sort of an interim period and sort of a trial period, which I've you know I really appreciate. Um, and my team's been super supportive about that because I was a little nervous about you know joining the team that I'm already an IC on, um, but it's definitely helped a lot with sort of you know understanding uh, the tracks of work we're already you know we're already doing. Um, and obviously I have sort of established relationships with a lot of folks on the team. So it's been, you know, it's been really, it's, it's been really exciting. It's, um, a, you know, a very different, <laughs> different, um, arena to be working in, but, uh, I think there are lots of great resources out there, including this very podcast. I will say I listened to the Camille Fournier episode and it was excellent. So, um, I really, uh, yeah, really it's been helpful to kind of get, you know, a lot of input from a lot of different places. I also like the approach of getting the perspectives where you're not necessarily figuring this out by yourself, because I feel like that's an intimidating part of doing any new switch when you're going into a different career direction, right? Folks switching from PM to engineering even, or the other way around. There's always this little bit of a fear of, I'm doing this by myself. I don't have anyone to guide me. I'll have to make my own mistakes. And instead, there's plenty of resources that you can rely on. Something that you also mentioned is thoughtful engineering management. Tell me more about what you what do you mean by that? What is thoughtful engineering management? I I think you know my my first manager my first manager comes to mind really when when you uh, bring up sort of like thoughtful engineering management and leadership. Um, really, you know, I think my my first manager was someone who really put people first, um, who really you know took the time to build trust and relationships. And I do think that that's really the basis of of good management and and leadership, uh, and everything kind of stems from that in terms of how we communicate, how we work together, how we iterate our processes, and everything uh, and everything that you know kind of follows after that. I also, uh, you know, just really appreciate you know transparency and candor and uh, and and kind of humaneness is maybe like a, a very like sterile term to say, but just in terms of you know really caring about people as people, um, and I think especially you know in the last few years with the pandemic and everything else, you know it's really like you know ensuring that your your reports and your team can bring their full selves to work, um, and and that you know work is work is always there, and I think that's you know really important to kind of convey that like you know let's put people first. Um, and, and, you know, the work and will come, come with, with that. I think it's such an important point that I've heard folks call out that helps them deal with a lot of challenges at work is when the managers understand that you have other things as a human to deal with. Like pandemic is a great example of that. Like we're all in this and we're all dealing with our own challenges. Like, you know, there's folks that have kids at home. There's folks that, all of a sudden have this like very constrained space in which they need to work in. There's folks that have to deal with health issues and worries and anxiety. And 
it's very easy to kind of take a very practical perspective on this where it's like, well, yeah, we have to keep the business running and making sure that everyone is, you know, still doing their stuff versus how do we give enough slack for people to, you know, deal with life that happens. And I absolutely agree with you. I think the best managers that I've had in my career were those that recognize that. And sometimes, you know, it felt very awkward where it's like asking for time off and the manager was like, I like, man, I trust you. Like, go take whatever time off you need and then come back and I know you'll do your stuff, right? Night and day contrast between managers that try to control every little piece of the work that you're doing and, you know, how many hours do you spend at the office? Now that you're getting down this path and you're uh, jumping into management, before you went here into the this kind of new role, what were some things that you did not expect going in the in the field that you're in? So you're working at the intersection of technology and writing and journalism what was something that completely surprised you i i think the pace of of the industry's change which i you know i think is something that you know tech is very familiar with i had not i was not necessarily prepared for i think the the changes that happen in in sort of like digital media as much as they have and obviously the last few years it's you know it's everything from unions to which companies are being acquired or folding or what partner platforms are introducing other standards that we have to meet it's a lot of it's a lot of change um and the industry you know is constantly evolving um and uh you know i really just admire like the work of journalists and and that they continue to have you know uh continue to work in a field that you know is largely underfunded um, and, and again, it, but it's such a critical, you know, service and, you know, just bastion of our society. And so, um, I think understanding, I guess, you know, how to work within the context of all of these changes within a media company, um, while again, so many changes are impacting the whole business, not just the technology side is something that definitely came as a bit of a surprise to me. Given this pace and given the fact that with new technology that pops up, it seems like daily, there's something new happening. Uh, how do you keep on top of everything that's going on and keep your skills kind of leveled with the, the industry? What's your approach to that? Uh, we have a lot of really great internal resources at our company that are super helpful. We have, you know, sort of like guilds. And so there's our, a JavaScript guild and things like that, which meets on a monthly cadence, which is a really, you know, cool way to just hear, you know, other people's experimentation or learnings of, you know, developments. I'm a big newsletter subscriber, so that definitely helps. Um, and I read. Actually, I guess reading is probably the number one way. I just stay on top of things. Um, and and we have you know Slack channels at work where you can drop links and discuss new new things, and that's always fun too. So it's you know it both kind of a you know solitary catch up, but also being able to chat with other folks about you know latest developments and things like that. I like that mix of perspectives. So there's a little bit of self study. And a little bit of let me work with other people that build stuff and ask them. Yes, exactly. Yeah, I think it's um, I haven't, you know, necessarily I think like worked on uh, independent projects as much as I would have liked in these last few years. Um, but I, I do think, you know, that's definitely a really excellent way to, you know, obviously keeping your skills fresh or just like trying out new things and, you know, building something with your own hands and just trying out a new technology. Um, and and occasionally still, you know, I, I also take, you know, some front master's type classes, like it can really, it can really vary in terms of, in terms of what that looks like, depending on, on the timing. Yes. I think this is the key that is so important to internalize for folks is also that sometimes your approach will 
evolve with time and it's different for everyone, right? Like somebody likes to look at Khan Academy and that's fine. And somebody is learning by doing and that's fine. There's no one size fits all. So when you're thinking about these different skills and kind of the evolution of your role, uh, do you map out your career in any capacity? You think like, okay, in five years, I want to know this and be here. Or is it just more of a, uh, honestly, like a serendipitous endeavor where you're kind of, as you see opportunities, you take advantage of them? Yeah, that's a that's a great question. I I don't I don't probably I don't really map out in in that I think much detail. Um, but I definitely am really curious about sort of like what are the problems that the company is working on. You know what what role can I play in tackling those problems? Uh, you know, a large reason why I've stayed I think at Vox for as long as I have is that I I've never been bored. <laughs> um, and and I think you know there's just there are new problems every day, and I keep and I always learn new things. Um, we have a pretty large ecosystem of of apps that we maintain, and so I feel you know every and we have like you know a large monolith too that we maintain that you know just constantly reveals you know new things to to me every day. So I I think those. Uh, those are the things that really inform kind of my career trajectory and planning is really like, is, is this the kind of work that I want to be doing? And is also, is the team, you know, growing and, and can I help again, like my team members uh, grow as well? So I think those are probably, I'm not as, not, <laughs> not the longevity <laughs> quite, quite in that way, but, uh, but certainly always trying to think at least the next couple of months or a year ahead. And the other component to this is something that you wrote in your uh, newsletter, which was accountability buddies. Tell me more about that side of things. How do you find accountability buddies and what is that concept about? Yeah. So I, I also, I, I write um, outside of, uh, outside of my day job. And so that has been the English major in me that or English major slash minor in me that hasn't, you know, abandoned that passion yet. So uh, I, I write a biweekly newsletter focused mainly on sort of writing and creativity. And uh, yeah, my latest issue is about accountability buddies, which is sort of a concept I, I started reading about mainly in interviews with other authors or, you know, seeing seeing those, seeing that mentioned and, you know, acknowledgments in the back of books and things like that. And really it's, uh, you know, another person, usually just one person, you know, that you can message with and talk to on a pretty regular basis to uh, you know, hold you accountable to goals or intentions that you're setting. So in the context of writing, you know, it's uh, it's something that, you know, I've started to do in the last month or so with a with a college friend of mine, where we really just we set sort of like our writing intentions for the week. Like we want to submit to X, you know, how many journals we want to, you know, work, fl flesh out this story, want to edit, get something to the other person so they can edit it. And and then we just try to, you know, throughout the week, just message each other like, Hey, I wrote 300 words, submitted to this place, um, and really just kind of, you know, keep each other uh, going in that way and keeping up the momentum of what we're doing. So it's a little bit of like, you know, helping you actually get the work done because now someone knows about it. And I, I personally, and I'm sure a lot of people, you know, respond well to peer pressure, or at least just knowing that there's, you know, a, kind of an additional dimension. You're not just kind of working in a cave um, that no, <laughs> no one's uh, checking in on you. And, you know, obviously the other part is celebrating. I think, you know, a lot of a lot of these pursuits, writing in particular, can be a pretty 
uh, can be a pretty lonely one sometimes. And so finding ways to build in that kind of support and community is is really helpful. Is the other part of this also feedback? Because to me, yes. I think the <laughs> only way I can ever improve in making my writing better is if I, somebody points out, it's like, actually, this paragraph made no sense. And I was like, you know, you're right. Made sense to me at the time, not anymore. Yes, 100%. Um, yeah, feedback is a definite a definite part of it as well. My friends and I like swap, you know, Google Docs quite often. And even like, you know, two or three rounds of edits where I'll be like, you know, read for, you know, read for understanding this first round. And then as we get kind of closer to, you know, the, the shape being more solidified, then, you know, reading more for like, okay, like word count, because we're trying to submit to different places. And so, um, yeah, it's been, you know, a lot of pleasant surprises around, um, you know, not only just someone reading your work, like you said, and kind of getting a better handle on like, oh, yeah, like I do tend to whatever, use adverbs or whatever else, like too much um, or things like that, uh, or that this doesn't make sense. But on the flip side too, is is reading other people's work and then kind of becoming a more discerning editor and and, and giver of feedback as well. So I think, you know, those are skill, like two skills with the same coin, I suppose. <laughs> I really like this. It's a very informal approach to, I want to call it like informal mentorship, right? It's like, they're not officially yeah, like peer a mentor. Mentorship. Yeah, peer mentorship. I, I love that. And speaking of mentorship, something that you also called out earlier is that uh, you do have more formal mentors. Uh, tell me more about that. Like, how do you go about finding uh, a mentor and maintaining a good mentor-mentee relationship? Because it, there's a lot of recipes to do that. There's a lot of advice on you know how to approach that. What's it like for you? Uh, yeah, I really, I really lucked out with that. My sort of main mentor, who I meet uh, on a monthly basis, is just my former boss. And so when, and so you know, when when he left the company, uh, you know, we developed a relationship after working together for for a few years. And you know, he was very gracious with his time and said, you know, I would love for us to keep to keep meeting, to keep chatting. Um, and so you know, that opportunity presented itself. Um, and so we have set up sort of again a monthly. Uh, you know, hour long chat. Um, and that's really been super helpful over yeah, years now, I guess that, um, that, you know, we can talk about, again, also, you know, career stuff, also life stuff. And um, again, he was a, a really significant, you know, part of, of my decision making process and kind of pursuing this engineering management um, role. And I think what's really, what really has helped with with that is, um, coming prepared to these meetings and like really valuing that time. I think it can often be, especially with, you know, sometimes standing meetings, you know, you're like, oh, like it's, I forgot, like it's today again or something and and not showing up with like either questions or things you want to ask. Um, and I think just, uh, and also keeping an arc of like, what have you talked about? I think is really helpful. Like he's a great note taker um, and often kind of also like, you know, in our within our sessions, we'll kind of, you know, be like, well, how is this thing going that we checked in a couple months ago or whatever else about? Um, and and I think just being really open to, yeah, like the shape that these meetings can take. It can be casual. It can be more formal of like, I have a very strategic problem I'd love for us to talk about. Others, it might just be, I want to hear your experience, your advice, or I'd love you to connect me to other folks that you think I should talk to. So I think really, yeah, expanding kind of your horizons of what you like, what a mentor can be for you is not, you know, not just someone who like shares their own experience or gives you advice, but also can be, you know, a connector for you to other fo folks as well. And, and also be like, I, I guess a pseudo therapist. He's very, he's very like thoughtful with, again, the questions he asks. So a mentor can be anything. <laughs> 
Right. And I think this is the part where you can adjust as you develop that mentor-mentee relationship, depending on what is this person the most, uh, well, interested in and helpful at, because those are the two components that I think sometimes it's hard to rationalize. And I also like the approach of being prepared, because a lot of times, having had those conversations before, you have uh, mentees that come in and they expect like, well, just give me career advice. Like, well, there is no generic career advice. It's very hard to give generic career advice. Like, what's a situation that I can help with? Is that something that you kind of, is this an ever running list of topics that you kind of establish? Or is it more of a ad hoc, like you mentioned, like, I have the situation, very strategic, tell me what to do, or like, how would you approach the subject? What What does the structure look for you? It's a mix, I think, of of kind of the long term, long term things, right? Of like, what's like, you know, some of like my long term goals of like, okay, I, you know, we've talked about like, I would love to write a book one day. You know, it's a very lofty, big goal, but something you know to discuss of like, okay, then working backwards, what's information that you need? What are things you want to do? What things in your life might need to change to make room for that? And then, of course, like you said, there are the more sort of like ad hoc things that I'm like, oh, okay, like this thing at work came up today. I have questions about it. Um, would love like advice or kind of more tactical things. So I kind of like to think of it as like convergent and divergent conversations really around stuff. So um, I definitely try to keep kind of a running list of like, here are things that we have talked about that are still of you know top of mind. But of course, if there's something that comes up that's more urgent or, or important, then then we'll fold that in too. Are there any approaches for folks to find that mentor if they're starting from scratch, right? Like assuming that everyone has a boss, right? But not every boss wants to be a mentor. Uh, how should they approach that subject? How should they go about finding somebody that can help them answer these questions? Yeah, I think, you know, really, it's kind of what you just said, actually. It really starts with questions and asking good questions. Um, I do think something that is really a really useful way to kind of make an introduction is to you know, obviously research the person that you're interested in contacting. I think, you know, doing your due diligence and like really, you know, valuing their time and expertise is super important. And so the more specific you can be around what it is you're, you're, you're looking to figure out or, or what help you need from them uh, is, I think, a lot easier to respond to than the kind of the generic, like, I want to pick your brain and just like, hear what you have to say. Like, I think that can be a very amorphous difficult thing for people to to follow up with. So I think starting with something very concrete, being very clear and respectful of their time is a really good way to begin that kind of relationship and show that you uh, really, you know, invest in in kind of in, in also, you know, your own career and thoughtfulness. I think being thoughtful in how you choose your mentors and how you choose to start that conversation um, is really the best way to initiate kind of a longer term relationship. So don't mass email people on LinkedIn or dig up their emails from GitHub and email, you know, CC 300 people like who wants to be my mentor? Don't do that. <laughs> That's not 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 a good approach. So with all the work that you're doing, again, I am super impressed by just the breadth of everything that uh, you kind of have expertise and knowledge in. you like you write a newsletter you're an engineering manager you work at a media company what fosters your creativity what helps you be creative and kind of have that spark of figuring out you know how do you connect the worlds of technology and humanities it's really, it feels innate almost to be honest I creativity is just the thing that has always been, my primary driver ever since I was a kid, which I know sounds like really corny, but 
uh, but really has been, you know, the thing that I've I've kept my eye on in terms of, you know, where I'm spending my time and what kind of things I'm working on. And so, as you said, that's kind of been reflected in obviously my day to day work and and where I work, but also in terms of sort of like uh, creative side projects that I've I've taken on too is. Uh, you know, engineering is obviously, I do, I do think, has a creative dimension. It is not creative in the same way that obviously the arts uh, arts are. And so I think, you know, that uh, figuring out ways to, uh, you know, make space and time and, you know, accountability to the newsletter is kind of an interesting way of, of building that in for myself um, to really carve that time out um, and, and dedicate, uh, you know, a portion of my week to thinking about art or, or you know, thinking about writing. Um, that's all been super, super exciting or, or excuses to talk to people about all of those things. Um, so that's, so I, yeah, I mean, everything from just kind of creating projects for myself to taking classes I've really enjoyed too, is just like, you know, always, you know, always be learning, which I think is, you know, applies in every field, especially engineering. Um, and so, uh, that's really been, uh, those have really been kind of the main ways I've fostered sort of the creative side. There is that interesting part about bridging the two, because in a lot of the conversations that I have with folks that work in technology, that work at existing, you know, again, big tech companies, they're usually very narrowly focused on kind of the technology side. Like, I'm going to be the expert in frameworks. I'm going to be the expert in this language. Uh, and inherently, that seems like a very limiting view. Like, if you're just focused on your just technology day in, day out, that's all you know. And you're never focusing more of like the humanity side of things, art, writing, singing, music, whatever. Uh, it seems it seems very limiting. It seems like it's it's a missed opportunity to bridge those two. Yeah, and I definitely think you know, working I work at a media company. We are primarily uh, you know t- primarily text based, although obviously we have podcasts, video, I mean, pretty and newsletters too. You know, everything under the sun. Um, but it definitely, you know, helps me gain an appreciation and understanding for the work I do being on the other side. I've actually even like had the opportunity to write for uh, one of our own sites, which was super exciting to actually like use the products that I've worked on, <laughs> but from, but from an actual user's perspective as a writer was probably one of the most fulfilling things I've, I've ever been able to do, um, to, at, like you said, kind of at that, at that intersection and, uh, again, you know, really thinking of our own, um, our own writers and editors, like they are our users. And so almost like, almost like user research, I guess, by doing it myself and trying to get a better handle on, uh, you know, how, how folks collaborate, how stories come together, how they want them presented and shared in the world. Um, all of that I think is useful, really useful information and definitely informs my work. I've heard the term used before. It's called eating your own dog food, where yes. <laughs> whatever you're building, right? Like you're so you're consuming that. And then you're like, I may, I might have ex- improved this experience a little bit here because now you're actually using it. It's it's something that's put to to active uh, engagement, if you will. I, I like that. It's it's a good frame. And I think the also if you are writing, if you're expressing your creativity in ways that is not just technology, uh, that helps, I think, one, gain perspective. I think that's the topic of our podcast today is like hearing you speak about the topic seems like get perspective, be a, be open to perspectives. And having this angle of kind of humanities and creativity helps be better at even technology side, right? Like if you're a good writer, 
Uh, that means you are more likely to express your thoughts clearly when you talk to product managers and engineers and like, and that has a like kind of cascading effect of benefits. Yeah, I think writing is a super transferable skill, you know, regardless of industry um, or trade. And, uh, you know, for me, I think I've definitely seen it uh, be really, be really beneficial, whether it's like writing documentation, I think now being a very like Slack based world, you know, I think there's no shortage of written communication. That's super critical. Um, and then also, I think, uh, you know, communication is, you know, foundational to empathy, which I think is such, such a important part of sort of, you know, the humanities aspect, uh, uh, as it relates to technology. And within our own uh, sort of like organization, it's been really amazing. I've been on some teams where we're able to talk with our own editorial users, um, do user research with those folks. And I think just really um, you know, being able to talk through like, what are their needs? What are we capable of? And I think like, I really credit, you know, so many of our, our writers and editors that we work with have also, you know, a great understanding of technology of like, really trying to you know, push the bounds of of what they can do with our tools and our uh, platform. Um, and, and so I think it's, again, it's kind of a, it's very much a collaborative relationship. That's all that all begins with us, you know, communicating and, and, and coming at it with a sense of, curiosity and openness. I love that. Communication is the foundation to empathy. This is such a powerful statement that I think important across disciplines, important across careers. At the end of the day, it's all about people. It's all about the human side of everyone that you work with. And how do you get along with humans? Well, you communicate. This is great. <laughs> exactly. So I have one question that I ask of all my guests. So somebody is listening to this and they think, wow, I want to follow that exact career path. Tell me more. What is a piece of, uh, let's call it unconventional advice that you've learned through your career that maybe wasn't as obvious when you were first kind of embarking on this journey? What would this advice be for somebody that wants to follow in your footsteps? This is a this is a great question. I've I've <laughs> thinking a lot about it, um, and I think I'll I'll kind of answer it maybe in the context of. From the perspective of someone who, or the way I think, of, I guess, about my own career is, uh, you know, day job, uh, night job, <laughs> a little bit, and and sort of, and obviously one informing the other, or I guess both of them informing each other, um, but still, you know, relatively distinct. And I think uh, my advice would really be to just uh, not be afraid of, I guess, like divergent divergent projects and focuses. I think a lot of folks are constantly fo are constantly kind of asking about like, oh, but like, what about my brand? What about a coherent journey I can talk about my career, you know, with which I can talk about my career? And in a lot of ways, I I think, you know, for, for me, I don't, um, I, you know, again, I'm very fortunate. I think that I, I work sort of at, you know, I can mix storytelling, I can mix technology. But at the end of the day, they sometimes do feel a little, you know, a little opposed, very different in terms of kind of like, what, you know, what my headspace needs to be, what the outcome is, um, you know, the, the sense of kind of like fulfillment that I feel is very different. And I think it's perfectly okay to, to acknowledge that, to explore that, and to make space for it um, in whatever way you can. So, and and kind of similar to what we've already talked about too is, you know, get perspective from folks there are a lot of people out there with a lot of, you know, other passions and that, you know, might not, that may overlap, that might not. But I think it's really important to, you know, just be true to yourself in that sense and just really explore what it is that make you, I don't know, that makes you tick, that makes you happy, that you're curious about. Um, and just try to, and try to build your life around that um, as opposed to, 
I think, trying to feel like everything needs to be a neat story to tell. It reminds me of somebody mentioning the fact that we are humans and we have multiple interests. When folks comment, it's like, oh, I'm following your Twitter just for text, stick to text. I'm like, <laughs> no, I have more interest than just text. Surprise, surprise, right? Yeah. Like, there's like, I like maybe cooking or video games or Legos or whatever. And humans express themselves through those means, whether there's newsletters, blogs, videos. I, I always found it fascinating how sometimes these are like self-imposed limits. Like, I only have to stick to this one topic. But like, but it's okay. It's okay to explore more than one topic. Yes, exactly. And I think just embrace, you know, embrace change. I think that's um, something both, you know, in my work and the world has thrust upon us all, right, is just like that, you know, change, change is an inevitable part of of life. And I think, uh, you know, not being afraid to to change your mind in that sense as well, I think is is really freeing um, and, and making sure that you're, yeah, you are prioritizing yourself and, and what you're interested in, in first. Um, and not having to, like you said, conform to kind of these, I don't know, limitations or guidelines that uh, that maybe, you know, the industry or other folks might be signaling. We had a wisdom-packed episode today. Nicole, thank you so much for being here and sharing your insights. It's been fantastic talking to you. This was wonderful. Thank you so much for having me. 